When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Mini Break, your daily podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Friday, September 23rd. So many storylines for us to catch up on on today's show. The storylines really never stop coming in the professional tennis world. Of course, I've got four tour-level events I want to focus on on this show. I'm alluding to the two WTA events, the 500 tournament happening in Tokyo. Of course, we've got a 250 happening in Seoul as well. Well, on the men's side, two 250s this week, one in France, the other in San Diego. Of course, I am well aware Labor Cup, the biggest storyline happening on Friday. We're going to have a separate Labor Cup-centric podcast. I'll talk about my thoughts on day one's matches. Obviously, share my reaction to the final match of Roger Federer's career. That storyline so immense, it's going to be its own podcast. So I apologize for not touching on it on this show. I apologize if this episode gets buried by that show, but just made more sense to divide them into two separate things. So again, I want to focus on the tour level play here on this podcast and offer a brief thought on some of the challenger action. If you think I haven't watched Cannon Kingsley's run to the Columbus Challenger semifinals, you've got another thing coming to you, but still plenty for us to discuss on today's show. I want to dive into each of the semifinalists in Tokyo, Samsonova, Kudermatova, Shui, uh, Jung Shui, excuse me, as well as a fourth semifinalist. I am blanking on, oh, but they have all Jung Chin Wen, of course, had exceptional 2022 seasons and are all well-suited to position themselves for even further breakthroughs in 2023. Want to explain why I feel that way on today's show. Talk about a big run for Emma Raducanu, first semifinal since the 2021 U.S. Open. She played better in her quarterfinal victory over Magda Lynette than I've seen her play all season long, and I'll explain why I feel that way on today's show. And then on the men's side, always a stark reminder whenever you see Hubi Hercot play the way he has this week in France. Oh yeah, he's six foot six, a top five server on the ATP tour this year. He stood out as have a couple of other big servers in San Diego. It's a couple of young Americans, Brooksby, Nakashima, impressing. I'll explain why on today's show and get into all of the action that has happened this week. I am back in Indianapolis for a brief stay. I'm headed back out to LA. Just a quick programming note for all of you listeners. Going to be on the call for T2, of course, Tennis Channel streaming service uh, over the course of the next two weeks. Very excited to get back out to California. Very excited to get to spend some time with some of my friends at Tennis Channel. Hopefully, we'll be able to continue the flow of podcasts. Had a pretty good rhythm in LA last time. Think I'm going to be able to sustain that here this time around. And hopefully, I'll be able to entice a few more guests on the show as well because I'm pretty sure there are going to be some pretty cool people hanging out at Tennis Channel Studios throughout the course of the two weeks. My birthday also falls in the course of the next two weeks and 
Talk about a birthday gift to myself to get to be in Santa Monica at the Tennis Channel Studios doing the thing I really do love doing. Um, Shout out to me. We don't get to say that enough here on this show. But no, just a brief programming note for all of you listeners. Again, a Laver Cup-centric episode coming up later today as well. Of course, a shout out to our friends at Tennis Point for their support in uh, helping us provide the daily podcast we know tennis fans everywhere need in order to keep up with all the action happening around the tennis world. Of course, Tennis Point also provides the best equipment at the best prices. Go to tennis-point.com today. You'll find everything you're looking for. Use our promo code. CR15 at checkout. You'll let them know we sent you there. Plus, get 15% off on all sale items, free two-day shipping on all orders exceeding $75. Best of all, a free can of Wilson Extra Duty Tennis Balls, tennis-point, simple, not the spelling, tennis-point.com. The promo code is CR15. With that said, let's start out in Tokyo. Certainly the highest level event of the week, the 500 happening on the women's side. I am so enticed by our four quarter finalists. Only one of them is a top four seed in Veronica Kudermatova. But if I ask you, you know, who have been three of the breakout stars, three of the 10 well, Jung Shui is not a breakout star, so that doesn't count. But three of the 10 breakout stars of the 2022 season in that top 10 in some order would be Jung Chin Wen, Veronica Kudermatova, and Ludmilla Samsonova. And let's start out with, in my opinion, the most impressive of the bunch, Ludmilla Samsonova, who has now won 16 of her last 17 matches, has won 32 of her last 34 sets and finds herself at number 26 in the live rankings, one off her career high of number 25. You look for Samsonova during this run. Uh, of 16 wins in 17 total matches. It's just a remarkable degree of success. She's winning 76.8% of her first serve points. That number would rank number one amongst top 50 players on the WTA Tour. Of course, she's also winning 46.9% of her return points. Why is that number relevant? Because Ludmilla Samsonova this season breaking 31.2% of the time. That number is below the average of a top 50 player on the WTA Tour. WTA top 50 player breaks 35.8% of the time on average. However, during this run, again, for Ludmilla Samsonova by winning 46.5% of her return points, that number would rank seventh amongst top 50 players on the WTA Tour. She's been that good. Not only has she been the, the number two server behind Caroline Garcia, Throughout the course of this 2022 season, during this stretch of time, she's been a top 10 server uh, returner as well. Only one player ranks top 10 in both hold and break percentage on the 2022 season. That player is Iga Sviantek. And I don't think I have to tell all of you listeners the degree of success Sviantek has had. Samsonova, over the course of the past two months, according to the numbers, according to her results, albeit it's not the most rigorous strength of schedule you look for Samsonova in this 16-1 and run. She has just three victories over top 20 opponents, and those top 20 opponents are Muguruza, Fernandez, and Raducanu, respectfully, who have all or respectively, excuse me, it would have bothered me, who have all struggled at various points of this season with different things. But again, despite it not being the toughest strength of schedule, fine. 
She's blitzed everyone she's played. And even in her one loss to Isla Tamjanovic, she was up 5-2 in the first set. Samsonova's power just overwhelms her opponents. And that's exactly what happened today against Garbine Muguruza. It was a 4-2 victory for Samsonova. She faced two break points throughout the course of the match, dropped them both. And that was because she only made 53% of her first serves, but won 72% of her first serve points, won 65% of her second serve return points, 53% of her return points overall, five of seven on break point chances. The pace she generates off of both wings, it's overwhelmed all of her opponents. Rabakina, Wang Xinyu, Garbin Muguruza now here in the quarterfinals. And, you know, again, 16-1 and since the start of the hard court home stretch of the 2022 season. You look at what's left on the calendar as well. Guadalajara 1000 level event, things indoor hardcore events like Ostrava and Linz. You know, top 20 is a call-in for Ludmilla Samsonovan. She's currently 23rd in the points race. If she wins a title this week, she's in to up to 19th. If she wins Guadalajara, which by the way, I don't think is completely out of the question, particularly if Iga elects not to play, I mean, come on now. Like, is, if she makes the year-end finals and it gets on a Conteve-type run, like, Samsonova's on a Conteve-type run, folks. It's time to acknowledge that. And certainly tomorrow, she's got an advantageous matchup in Jung Shui. Now, Jung Shui's had a career year. You look for the 33-year-old. She's won more matches at the tour level this season than she has in any prior season of her career. She's up to 34 wins now here in 2022. She's holding 70.3% of the time, which is a career high. And you look at the WTA top 20, uh, 50 averages. The average is 70.9. So, you know, again, she currently ranks 26th amongst top 50 players, excuse me, 27th amongst top 50 players in terms of hold percentage. But you look for Jung Shui, 25th in the live rankings. That's two off her career high. She can get into the main draw of everything she wants to play next season. She's played really, really good tennis and was rock solid in a 5-2 and two win over Petra Martic in the quarterfinals. Made 78% of her first serves, fought off four of six breakpoint chances, and that just allowed her to be the aggressor on her return of serve. She hits a flatter ball, but able to step up on that ball, take it early on the rise inside the court, comfortable moving forward, was able to match the aggression of Caroline Garcia in a 4-6-7-6-7-6 upset victory in the round of 16. Again, Jung Shui has been very good this season. Now, and I explained this on our GSP Ace of the Day preview segment, why I'm back in Samsonova to get to the final. You look for Jung Shui this season, Against top 50 opponents, 11 and 14. And for what it's worth, against top 20 opponents, 3 and 6. I just think Samsonova's best, her big serving first strike power tennis is better than Jung Shui's strength, which is big serve first strike tennis. Strength on strength, I'm leading Samsonova. Um, That's why I think that's where I'm ready to rock and roll. So anyways... That's going to be a fun matchup for what it's worth, according to Tennis Abstract. Samsonova, 65.6% favorite. Um, but credit to Jung Shui, who, again, at 33 years old, she's put herself exactly where she wants to be moving into the next stage of her career. Of course, you look at the other half of the draw. How about Veronica Kudermatova? With Simona Halep being out for the season, Kudermatova is now eighth in the points race. She is currently in on the year-end finals, and now she's 34-17 and 17 overall on the year. We talk about the two-thirds rule. You win two-thirds of your matches. You're getting to a ton of quarterfinals throughout the course of the season, continuing to advance your rankings. 
Kudermatova, excuse me, has made nine total quarterfinals overall on the year. She's played 18 total events. Nine quarterfinals in 18 total events. That, my friends, is how you get yourself into the year-end finals. And, you know, she's done it against various ranked players. You look for her against opponents ranked outside the top 50. She's 19-4. and 15-13, and 13, though, against top 50 opponents. And, Honestly, a pretty respectable 8-7 and seven against the top 20 as well and gets a really good 6-7, 7-6, six, 6-1 seven, seven, six, six, win over Beatrice Haddad Maya. Now, Kudermatova went up 2-0 in the first set, found herself down 5-2 about 15 minutes later. But she continued to fight her way back, gets that first set to a tie break. Now, she ultimately drops that breaker, but look, 6-7, six, 7-6, seven, seven, six, six, Kudermatova able, I believe, to fight. No, she, I don't think she fought off a match point down 6-5. Did she fight off a match point down 6-5 in that breaker? I don't remember if she was up or down. I apologize. A lot of matches to balance here on today's show. But what was so impressive for me for Kudermatova was the adjustment she'd make against Haddad Maya, starting to take that backhand early on the rise and using the Haddad Maya topspin to keep her own backhand from flying past the baseline and just started redirecting that ball down the line. Obviously served extraordinarily well, won 71% of her first serve points on a 64% clip, fought off 7 of 10 break points she faced. Yes, those stats were padded in the third set, but you look for Kudermatova, you know, she's holding 76.5% of the time this season. That's a top 10 number on the WTA tour and that, you know, leading from ahead just allows her to be more aggressive as a returner. That said, she's also putting in the highest percentage of returns in her career. And again, while her forehand is probably the shot she's more comfortable hitting, I really like the way she's able to absorb pace. And I think she's gotten a lot better defensively, particularly on that backhand wing. Kudermatova belongs in the points race uh, for the year-end finals, and she's currently sitting at 13th in the live rankings. That's a career high. Another victory, or excuse me, a title this week actually wouldn't get her past Garbine Muguruza, so she'll stay at 13 for the remainder of the week. But, I mean, again, points race, she's 8th, and she is now, uh, with one more victory, she'll be over 200 points ahead of Maria Sakari. It's a lot of points to make up down the home stretch for Sakari, who has not played particularly well. So credit to Kudermatova, who's put herself in a position for success, was extraordinarily impressive in making adjustments to survive against Haddad Maya. But look, she's got a tough matchup in the semifinals as she's taken on one of the breakout stars of the 2022 season in teenage sensation Jung Chin Wen. Of course, Jung Chin Wen now the second highest ranked teenager in the WTA rankings, 35 and 15 overall this year. She earned a very impressive 6-4-7-5 win over Claire Liu in the quarterfinals, won 82% of her first serve points. That first serve for Jung Chin Wen it's a slap. She just throws that ball in the air and, I mean, she slaps it down the tee on the ad side, slaps it into your body or likes to hit that slice wide on the deuce. But, boy, her plus one tennis is impressive. And, yeah, that forehand backswing can get a little bit big and that forehand can certainly flatten out. But her ability to take it early on the rise, change direction with it, the backhand is just special. She's a better mover than you'd expect for someone who's always seemingly inside the baseline trying to take things on the rise. She can play some defense, and she had to against Claire Luke because – and I mentioned this on my Ace of the Day segment yesterday – 
Claire Lou's been really good this year. It's been a career season for Lou, the former junior slam champion, now 22 years old, established herself in the top 100 this year. She's 26 and 20 overall, but a ton of tour level successes. She's 18 and 17 and, you know, made a tour level final earlier this season. Good wins over Mertens and Risk this week. Lou played good power tennis, was able to generate depth through the center of the court, not allow Junction when easy opportunities to play offense, and at times matched her aggression, but just wasn't able to manufacture the easy opportunities on serve with the frequency that Jung Chin Wen was. And again, that serve for Jung Chin Wen, she's holding serve a remarkable 75.1% of the time this season. That number, of course, ranks, I believe, yeah, 14th on on the WTA Tour amongst top 50 players this season. And you look at that semifinal, it's strength on strength. Big serving Kudermatova, big serving Jung Chin Wen. Kudermatova is 60.9% favorite according to the Tennis Abstract singles forecast. Buckle in, folks. Don't you dare gamble on that match. I mean, again, I like Jung Chin Wen's defensive abilities a little bit better. I think she's a little bit more comfortable as a returner, but Kudermatova's better at executing behind her own first serve. That said, Jung Chin Wen straight set win. Kudermatova, tough three setter over two and a half hours. They're playing the next day. Three sets, more than anything else. And regardless of what the final is, that's a fun one for all of us to enjoy. That's your WTA Tokyo breakdown. Of course, we've got another fun WTA event happening over in Seoul, Korea as well. And as I alluded to in my intro, I think Emma Raducanu is playing better tennis this week than she has throughout the course of this 2022 season. You look for Raducanu into her first semifinal since the 2021 U.S. Open. Obviously, that makes it her first semifinal here of this 2022 season. She's now 17-17 and 17 overall on the year, and she's just been a much better player since the start of this North American hardcourt stretch. Obviously, her third quarter final. A second one came at the City Open a couple of months ago. She was dominant against Magda Lynette. A 2-2 two two victory where she you know, won 96% of her first serve points. She wasn't broken. She hasn't served that well since the U.S. Open. She hasn't dropped a set this week in Korea. And what was so particularly impressive against Lynette, go watch the highlights to hold for 2-0, to break for 4-0, or to secure things for 4-0, to secure the first set, to earn the break in the second set. She did the same way on each point. On the rise, forehand, down the line. And that forehand has struggled this season. That's been the wing opponents have attacked. You attack that forehand by taking her a serve, which has been a liability at times this year. Early on the rise, she'll hang the forehand short, and now you get to be the aggressor. She's not hanging the forehand short this week in in Tokyo. She's taking it early. She's hitting it definitively. She's moving well out of the backhand corner as always. She's just playing confident tennis. And it's a sight for sore eyes if you're an Emma Raducanu fan. And now you look for the 19-year-old who has fallen outside the top 50, was number 77 entering the week. She's back up to number 66, which Still means you have to play qualifying at the big events if she's not afforded a wild card. But, you know, one more victory this week. She's up to number 61. Should she win a title, she's back into the top 50. And more than anything else, you make a semifinal. You beat a very much informed Magda Lynette the way she beats her. You just have confidence going into the the next season. And look, it's another massive opportunity here for Raducanu as she's going to take on top seed Yelena Ostapenko. Ostapenko 
Three sets, two funky ones in her first two matches, sort of steadied the ship in a two-in-one win. Her power just overwhelmed the lucky loser, Jimenez Casenseva. Um, but talk about a contrast of styles. Ostapenko's going broke all of the time. Raducanu wants to use her physicality, wear you down, spread the court side to side. It's a fun contrast. And look, Ostapenko's the sort of returner, top 10 in break percentage on the 2022 season. Any hanging second serve, Emma Raducanu puts out there, she's going to punish. That said, if Raducanu hits the first forehand as confidently as she did against Magda Lynette, if she is able to absorb some of those first strikes, which she is physically certainly capable of doing, she's going to have some chances against Ostapenko tomorrow. That's an interesting match. That's a really fun contrast of styles. And for what it's worth, Raducanu's the money line favorite, but Tennis Abstract has Ostapenko pretty comfortable 69.6% favorite. So, Keep an eye on that one. Uh, that might be your match of the day on Saturday. Of course, your other semifinal matchup going to be Tatiana Maria, who's had a very good week. Another good win over fourth-seeded Ju Lin. She's going to take on Ekaterina Alexandrova, who got pushed by the former Texas All-American Lulu Sun. Sun in her first WTA quarterfinal, a 5-6 and six, uh, loss to Ekaterina Alexandrova. But look, Ekat into another semifinal. When she's hot this year, she's been hot. And now she's a 67.1% favorite over Maria. Again, it's a pretty good matchup no matter what way it goes. And for what it's worth, you look for Alexandrova, who entered the week at a career high number 24 in the live rankings. Now she's still sitting at number 24, but perhaps more impressively, you look for Alexandrova 22nd in the points race. You know, you look for her overall this year at 30 and 16, winning 65% of her matches. That's essentially the two-thirds rule. It's her fourth semifinal of the season as well, looking to make a second final here year. Uh, good year for the soon-to-be 28-year-old. But again, Ostapenko versus Radakanu, Maria versus Alexandrova. That's your action happening over in Tokyo, of course. If that's not enough for you, you've got two tour-level events happening on the men's side as well. And you look at where the semifinals are over in France. It's going to be on the bottom half, Hubi Hercots taking on Lorenzo Senego. Senego, the probably more testing path to get here, earned an impressive first round victory 5 and 3 over 6th seed Aslan Karatsev 6 and 4 over Jill Simone then 4 and 4 over Sebi Korda look Indoor hard courts, perfect conditions for Snego to blast the first serve, blast the first forehand. He moves extraordinarily well, you know, is able to be a little bit more aggressive in these conditions. And so the fact that sometimes he'll slap that backhand wise, sometimes things do go awry. It's, you know, these conditions reward the risk and you look for him all week long. He's faced 11 total break points. He's been broken just three times and went unbroken in his 4-4 four four win over Sebi Korda. Lost fewer than 15 points on serve throughout the course of the match. And I mean, this is a big week for Senego, who had fallen outside the top 50 with this run. Senego back up to number 55. One more victory gets him up to number 52. It just ensures you're going to get into Masters qualifying and all the ATP 250 event you want to play. And Certainly into the slams, that's not even a question for Sinego as he looks to get back inside that top 35 range. Uh, but he's going to have a tricky opponent, certainly in second-seeded Hubi Hercots, who just played the sort of front foot power tennis, get to the net you'd expect from Hercots in these indoor hardcourt conditions. And for what it's worth, Sinego 3-2 and two against Hercots in his career. 
And Snego does have the sort of forehand, that forehand to forehand. He can make life miserable for Hubie. But you look for Hubie now this season very quietly. 35 and 16 overall. He's won 69% of his matches. Hercot sitting currently at number 11 in the live rankings. He's ninth in the points race. And assuming Zverev doesn't play, Hercot's currently 65 points behind Zverev. I think it's safe to say he'll make up that gap over the course of the next month. I mean, for Hubie now, you look for him in making the semifinals here in France. It's his sixth semifinal of the year. He's played, what, in total, I want to say, this is his 18th total event, sixth semifinal of the year. Not too shabby, my friend. That's how you find yourself in the race for the year-end finals. And, you know, again, for Hubie, you can make the year-end finals a couple of times in your career, you have a Masters 1000 title. Certainly money shouldn't be an issue for you moving forward, but it's the start of where you want your resume to be at age 25 years old, which again, who'd be sneaky young as well. Sinego, 27 years old. That's a fun semifinal, of course, on the top half of the draw. Stan Wawrinka, the upset over Daniil Medvedev. And look, Medvedev did not play well for Stan, a 6-4, 6-7, 6-3 win. A lot of spraying of the forehand for Medvedev in set number one. Felt like any time Stan threw the backhand slice at Medvedev and Medvedev tried to create, he found himself in trouble. On the flip side, Stan did such a good job of not only throwing in the off-speed at Medvedev, but taking advantage of Medvedev's court positioning, serving and volleying, and going big up the line and forcing Medvedev to have to come up with something ridiculous on the run, which he's capable of doing, but it's really hard to sustain that when you're facing the relentless power of an opponent. And so, look, credit for Stan had to qualify to get into this match. Good wins over Sosa, over Medvedev, and then a really nice win over Mikhail Emer, who asked every question physically of Stan Wawrinka, but just ultimately uh, didn't have quite enough ability to create from the center of the court to make Stan uncomfortable in that third set breaker, of course. Now for Stan, he's going to face the winner of Runa and Bublik, and at the time of me recording this podcast, you look for Holger Runa, uh, excuse me, just finished, Sasha Bublik knocked off Hogaruna 6-3-5-7-6-4 so yeah big weapons now that Stan's gonna have to face and again Stan Bublik Sinego Hurkats a testament to these conditions indoor in France that these big servers still all alive that's just one of your two ATP 250s happening this week over in San Diego thing going pretty according to script thus far yeah you did have one of your seeds knocked out in fourth seed Pedro Martinez but I don't think him getting knocked out by Daniel Alahi Galan who beat Tsitsipas at the US Open 11 and 9 overall on the ATP tour this season into the top 75 for the first time in his career. Him beating Martinez in three sets. I'm not going to get into the history of Pedro Martinez. Let me just tell you, that's not that shocking of a result in terms of an upset. Chris O'Connell over J.J. Wolf was surprising, but O'Connell now going to face Jensen Brooksby, who looked really good, the number two seed, in a three-set win over Mackie McDonald. Just moves the ball around the court so well, and Again, you're never putting him away. He's never going to do something low percentage. He's just going to give himself an opportunity to compete in each and every match that he plays. You look for Brooksby. He's 11-8 and in first matches this season at events. And you can say, wait, eight first-round losses? Isn't that a lot for Brooksby? Well, look, 
he was never going to sustain his 49 and 12 pace like he did in 2021. If he did, we'd be talking about him like we talk about Carlos Alcaraz because that's historic levels of success. But the fact that he's over 500 in ATP tour level events this season in first round matches, the fact that now he's into not only his second quarterfinal uh, of this North American hardcore stretch, but you look for him overall, it's a third quarterfinal on the ATP level this season. It just means the 21-year-old, soon to be 22, belongs at this level. He's established himself inside the top 50, currently number 44 in the live rankings. You're going to play the Masters events. And as we look at the big picture ecosystem of the ATP Tour, I don't know if Jensen Brooksby factors in at the top, but I know he's going to linger in the next decade. I know we're going to talk about him making runs to quarterfinals, semifinals of major events, not necessarily the majors, but major events. And isn't that where you want to be? At 21 years old, that's where I would like to be if people were talking about my tennis game. So credit to Jensen Brooksby. Credit to Brandon Nakashima as well. 20 and 10 since the start of the French Open. He's currently outside the top 60, but if Wimbledon offered points, his fourth round would have him inside the top 50. And you look for Nakashima during this 20 and 10 stretch. He's holding over 88% of the time, 88.1%. That would have him sixth amongst top 50 players on the ATP tour. And yeah, a lot of that success has come at 250s or in qualifying for big events, but I don't care. If you hit that 88.1% number, you have my attention. And then watching him play, I mean, he was dominant, 10-plus aces against Kudla last night in a 3-4 and four win, when 80% of his first serve points didn't face a break point. The pace he's able to generate on his slice serve out wide on the deuce side, he hits that ball so effectively, can hit all of the spots on the ad side, has turned into a comfortable volleyer, has turned into a player who, if you give him time on the forehand, he can spring into it, and he's always had defensive skills. That backhand is special. Again, If we're looking at the next decade, I don't think he's going to be at the top, but I know Brandon Nakashima is going to make runs at big events, and a lot of big players are going to have to go through Nakashima to get where they want to go, and they're not going to be able to get through him every time because, again, if you have an off day, Brandon's well-positioned to make you pay. Hey, great shot on the rhyme. Uh, Nakashima Galan. Brooksby O'Connell quarterfinals here on Friday night. You've also got Marcos Giron into a semifinal. Good straight set win for him over James Duckworth. Dan Evans taking on Constant Lestien tonight in the quarterfinals. I do apologize from a time zone perspective. San Diego's been the toughest one for me to follow given all of our travels over the past week here at Cracked Rackets. But with that said, I'll leave you with some final thoughts on the challenger level. Shout out to Cannon Kingsley into his first ATP challenger semifinal semifinal into the top 500 of the ATP rankings for the first time. Kingsley now 13-5 and in pro matches here this season. Wins over Paul Jubb, Alex Vukic, uh, over the two top 300 guys on his way to this Columbus Challenger semifinal. And look, the Ohio Challengers have always been kind to Buckeyes. J.J. Wolf, Mikhail Torpegard stealing victories on these lightning-quick Columbus courts. They fit Kingsley perfectly, who wants to play first strike, who wants to hit the big serve, hit the big first forehand, follow that ball in. He is another comfortable volleyer, knows where to go, knows what to do. Super smooth athlete as well, 6'1", 6'2". I've mentioned this anecdote before. I was at the NCAA tournament. It was the day before the quarterfinals. Who was in the weight room that morning? Cannon Kingsley, because I'm telling 
telling you that 21-year-old is going to extract every bit of talent out of his game. I'm a massive believer in Kingsley and very much looking forward to his semifinal against Jordan Thompson. Tomlinson, a very dominant 2-1 win over Gabriel Diallo. How about Ricky Hijikata? From a set and four all down, earns a three cent victory over number three seed Dom Stricker. Stricker eleven and two. The the young lefty, very successful on these fast indoor Ohio courts, but. Man, the physicality Ricky brings, the creative shot making, how smooth he is off of both wings, a plus athlete in terms of his explosiveness. Big run to the semifinals for Ricky. And you look now for Hijikata, the former UNC All-American, up to a new career high, number 193. He's into the top 200, folks, for the first time in his career. And he'll take on Emilio Gomez, who earned a 3-1 and win over Nick Chappell. That's the challenger I've been watching most closely. But, of course, you've got four other challengers happening and a plethora of ITF events, Laver Cup action. So much fun for all of us. Again, the storylines really never stop coming as a fan of the professional tennis world. But with that said, just another reminder, we'll have a Laver Cup-centric episode for all of you listeners later today as it is Roger Federer's final match. And of course, I'm excited for that as well. With that said, a shout out as always to our super producer, Daniel Westoff, for the of an editing job he does day in, day out, making all of this content possible. Shout out as well to our friends at Tennis Point. Remember, go to tennis-point.com. Use that promo code CR15 to get 15% off all sale items, free two-day shipping on all orders exceeding $75. Best of all, a free can of Wilson Extra Duty Tennis Balls. With that said, for our super producer, Daniel Westoff, our friends at Tennis Point, and from all of us here at both Cracked Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You know what we say. That's the break, and we'll talk to you all later today. Thanks, everyone.